enough for that, we can stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts of one body. Paul continues, he says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And finally, the last verse, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I want us to read this last verse together. Let's just read it together. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. One more time now with feeling. Okay. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. We need to let that sink in this morning. Because in our world that's just going at a frantic pace, a lot of times we have bad memories. Jesus came into the world. That's why he left and sent the Holy Spirit so that we could be the body of Christ. Sometimes it's hard to accept. When we sang a song in our worship today, indescribable, right? You search the depths of my heart and what? And you love me the same. I have a feeling that all of us here have things in the depths of our heart we'd rather not share with the world. And in spite of our earthiness, in spite of our brokenness, He dwells within us, and we are the body of Christ. Don't forget who you are. You are the body of Christ. Now, let me just break this down for the rest of our time together. But when we look at this passage, um, I created this thing they call them. They call them. So, here's words from, from the passage. And you know, you got all these words, and, and, and special, and body, and I, and when you read that passage, there's a lot going on. And we can get kind of lost in just the bigness of it all, how grand it is, and how, how creative the Spirit was to Paul in this. And sometimes I think we, we think, as pastors, as, as church leaders, as people who serve in the church, that if we could, if we could just kind of really get a good organizational chart for the body of Christ, we could just run so much more efficiently. And we could just do so much better. And yet, it's kind of messy. Because the body 
body is a body, it's not, it's, it's not a machine. Um, John Bryant, the Jewish book was at the retreat, one of our speakers, he, um, he shared a story the other week. We were up on a retreat, a bunch of pastors, and we were actually looking at this passage when he said it out of Wednesday. But, but he shared a story, though, it was great. He's a big, he's a big Dodger fan and loves baseball. I think, I think it's he and his grandkids and his, and his own kids really like Major League Baseball. And so they've been on that track, you know, to try to be, actually go to every baseball park in Major League Baseball. And they have it down to where they only have three left to see. But they were at the Dodger game, and they said, you know, please stand for the singing runners for them. And they introduced this person as a local artist. And as she sang, John was sitting there going, oh my goodness, this person can't sing very well. And it seems that. And then he and I think his family were like, boy, you know, out of all these people, and they would show somebody to, you know, they could pick somebody to, to sing this. They went on and sang it and applauded. And, and then they said, and now we should throw out the first pitch for the game. Please welcome country music sensation Carrie Underwood. And so Carrie Underwood comes out to throw the first pitch, and John's going, wait a minute, did we mix up the names on this? You know, it's like, Surely, Carrie Underwood should have said that it has to them, and this other person was supposed to throw out the first pitch, but we got it kind of backwards. And, you know, of course, there's parts as we look at the body of Christ and try to discover our spiritual gifts and how we, how we function and how we serve in the body of Christ, you know. And it would be nice if we could all just say, well, you, know, you go here, and you go here, and you go here, and, and so forth, but it doesn't work that easily. The thing I love about the body of Christ and what God does in the body of Christ is that you're constantly surprised. God's activity in gifting us, in gifting people to serve in special ways. Miles McPherson uh, came out with a book this week. You know Miles McPherson? He's a, he's a pastor at a church down in San Diego and uh, he used to play for the San Diego Chargers. Um, and he wrote a book called God in the Mirror. came out this year. And he tells a, a really neat story about someone finding their gift in ministry. He says, I was coming out of my office and this man was coming out of the elevator, and he said he's about 6'4", 250 pounds, all tatted up, wearing shorts and a sweatshirt. And he said, how are you doing? He said, I'm Pastor Miles. How are you doing? He said, good. And what are you up to? He goes, well, I'm heading to my first ministry meeting. And he goes, oh, hey, how are you feeling about this? I'm actually kind of nervous. And he goes, well, well, well what, uh, what ministry are you looking at that being a part of today? He said, the and he was kind of taken back. He goes, the knitting ministry. And he said, that's kind of interesting. He goes, well, what, what kind of dream is that? He says, well, I used to be part of the Hells Angels. And uh, I served some time in prison. And so technically, I learned to crochet. He said, I, uh, but I'm going to work with the, the knitting ministry. And, uh, but I'm still a little nervous about meeting with these ladies. And uh, while they were talking, the head of the knitting ministry came up and took his hand. And they walked down to the knitting together. But I love that about the body of Christ. It's like things like that you'd never predict. You know, God puts in people's hearts, and then they happen in the body of Christ. When you think about the body of Christ, I mean, just think about this for a minute. We have people of all ages in the body of Christ. I'm not talking just Calvinists. I'm talking, I'm talking the Church of Christ all around the world. People, people of birth and infant and toddler and childhood, three of us and half of us, young adult, mid-life, senior age, youth. I mean, all different stages of life. People in different faith stages of development. For those of you who remember some of 
now because of God's grace, you and I are still being touched by His writing and the Spirit that is upon you. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. It's all grace. It's all favor. Come on, he said in the book of Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Again, thank you for your testimony today, Jeffrey, of baptism. Because baptism reminds us of what life's all about. Being buried with Christ, being risen in new life with Christ. Responding to his grace and his favor with his love. And then letting him give his grace to us and supplies us with all kinds of passions to serve and make a difference in the world. This body of Christ, this thing we call church, is all about the head of the body, Jesus Christ, who himself emptied himself and gave himself away for us. And there's absolutely nobody, nobody, the body of Christ, of Christ. Not a pastor, not an elder, not a deacon, not a Sabbath school leader, not a peripheral ministry person, not a family. I go on down the list. Only Jesus can do this, and it's all by His faith. The point I want to get to this morning that I've been moving towards. Paul continues in Ephesians chapter 2 about the body, about us. In chapter 2, verse 19 through 22, he says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. You see, the body of Christ is never the body of Christ unless Christ is dwelling there. This whole thing doesn't work. The whole thing of saving people's lives and of doing the gospel work doesn't work if Christ is not dwelling in the body. It's merely an organization that can be a quite large organization, and there can be lots of management and a lot of putting people in its places and so forth. But it's only through grace and the presence of the Holy Spirit that hearts are transformed. And it's only through grace that we grow on a daily basis to just keep saying, Yes, Lord. Letting go and letting go. We could say it takes a church or it takes a pastor, but really, it takes Christ dwelling in his people. I made another world, if you will. But this time I brought out the central, the center, the most important thing of the body. Oftentimes, if we could just if we live with that other world where Jesus is in there somewhere, Christ is in there somewhere, it's hard to find. It doesn't work. But when Christ is 
the center where Christ is dwelling in us. It all makes sense. It all fits together. And it all keeps us centered. Paul himself, once again, when he was speaking to the men on the path of the Mars Hill, he was telling them that God is not living temples built by hands, but in him we live and move and have our being. And that's the same for the church. It's the same for the body of Christ. It's only in him that the body moves and lives and it has its being. So, Pastor John, as I said earlier, we all are struggling, I think, at times to, to find that space. We're pressed by family, by co-workers, by jobs, by society, by things that distract. But Jesus, let's draw to these verses. But Jesus and his ministry. In Luke chapter 5, verses 15 through 16, Luke describes that as Jesus was becoming more famous in the world, so the news about him spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. The original language in these two verses actually plays off itself. And the, the verb here in its usage, Luke is showing a contrast. As people, more and more crowds were coming near, Jesus was withdrawn. Now, we all know that he didn't stop his ministry to people. But he knew that everything he was doing was about the Father in him, dwelling in him, in the life he lived among others. And he had to care for them. He had to tend to the Father in his relationship. And so, church, I'm asking this to give attention to our well-being and attention to the fact that God dwells in the dwelling place of God. Give space to that in your lives. Give time to that. And as the crowds will press around Jesus, as things keep crowding in your life more and more and more to where maybe sometimes you go, but God, I just don't have even a minute. I'll tell you what I learned in my life. I learned that there's a lot of things that we try to control, I think we can control without even thinking about it, but we can let some of those things go. And it's amazing that some of the time that will free up when you stop thinking you have to take care of this, 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 and that. We need to give attention. Even if it's just a couple of minutes to stop and remember, God dwells in this broken vessel, this earthen vessel, God chooses to dwell in me. And God, as He dwells in me, manifests Himself in this world, in space, in time. In 2008, the Associated Press put out a story about a Russian Orthodox 
that had literally disappeared. It's a two-story brick building that aliens didn't come and take it away. But it shows you that the Russian Orthodox Church that sometimes given much attention to that church and it declined and so forth and they kind of shut it down and then I guess in 2008 they were going to go back because the Russian Orthodox Church was growing in the area and they were thinking of using it again. When they went to go look at the church, it was gone. And so they said, we have to find out what happened in this building. Well, this is what happened. The villagers in the area found out that those bricks were worth money. So one by one, they took the bricks and they sold them to a businessman for four cents a piece. And the church was gone. See, the wonderful thing about the church, church which is people, is that wherever you go, the body of Christ in the church moves. No one can steal the bricks. No one can sell it off. Because God dwells in you. And no matter where you're at, school, home, shopping, running errands, God dwells in you. And He goes. And as you and I go, I believe this poem means Sam Dalton quoted like this. He said, Help me, dear God. See my brother with the eyes of Christ. To hear my sister with the ears of Christ. To taste my neighbor's hunger with the mouth of Christ. To smell creation's beauty with the nose of Christ. To touch the world's pain with the hands of Christ. And to love life, each life, every life, with the heart of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we are humbled and we are so Just 